Right, hello and welcome back to what we will still call the TNC podcast, although it's slightly condensed for these strange times. And I'm delighted to be able to bring in a lovely transfer today. Chris Reeves out, Michael Bailey is in. Michael, how are you, mate? Hello, good, thank you. I hope Chris is all right. Chris <laughs> yeah, is good. fine. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, what's what's keeping you busy at the moment? I know you're still full-time on The Athletic and, of course, loads of great content out there. We've still got our discount codes. If people want access to The Athletic, the link to that will be in the description below for 50% off, which um, equates to about a cup of coffee a month or something. It's, it did. Yeah. <laughs> it might be less than that in the future. Um, but that's that's a bigger discount than on our own on the board. Is podcast. it? Yeah, well, there we go. 40% on that. There we go. So um, how how's your last kind of couple of weeks been? Because... Although it feels like we've been in isolation for months, it still hasn't been that long, has it? No, it, it scared me halfway through last week that it was about ten days. Yeah, <laughs> it was like really. So it's been. Um, I mean, it's been tough. I have to be honest. I mean, we've all got our own challenges, obviously. But uh, um, I've got two gorgeous boys who are running around the house. I mean, it, it's a proper state. My my wife is a primary school teacher, and she's trying to teach because she works part-time um half the week um but you know and other people will find this as well if, if you if you've got two parents both supposedly working from home mm-hmm. or looking after kids and it's quite um it's quite a balancing act and uh, what i mean is physically impossible and um so it's yeah it's been it's been an eye-opener but uh it is we have to do, you know make make of it what we can and um push on and, and sort of look after ourselves really, don't we? So that's that's all we can do and we try and do as much of that as, as possible. I probably need to do a few more Joe Wicks morning sessions. <laughs> I think I'm letting myself down there. Uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, as I think you mentioned it off camera, like it feels as if everyone's got their own little issues that they're trying to deal with, whether that be they've lost their job or they're juggling childcare, whatever it is, it's not easy. Um, let's get on to some Norwich City chat. I'm trying not to kind of chat too much on the channel at the moment because there's such uncertainty surrounding things. But it feels as if the last week has been, there's been plans put, put in place and we can kind of figure out what's going on a little bit more. So we'll start with the furloughing of non-playing staff. Now I know what furloughing is because it's happened to me myself. For the people that don't know Michael, just explain what has happened with non-playing staff, what situation they find themselves in, what the club has done, etc. Yeah, so I think um, at Norwich it's it's a situation that's similar to, as you say, a lot of other businesses, but also a lot of football clubs. And I think probably worth pointing out there are clubs that have done this that haven't made it public as well um essentially the government to try and keep everyone um ticking over as as best they can in the situation they have agreed to pay employees um 80 percent of their salary up to two and a half thousand pounds a month i think it is so they've agreed to do that which takes a huge burden off um companies um say who have lost all of their income through uh, sales purchases through hosting events which if you think about it's essentially what norwich city football club are um and then and so norwich have decided to uh, go along with that for people who are working and i think it's worth adding that uh, i believe when you're on this you you are not allowed to work you have to physically stop working you're not allowed to work um so it's therefore a question of doing it with people who physically haven't got anything to do. So I spoke to uh, Paul Warren, um, who's the Rotherham manager, and obviously the kit man hasn't got anything to do because no players are in a training and stuff like that. So that's one of the situations. Um, 
what Norwich are doing is they have agreed to make sure that they still pay the other 20%. And likewise, if someone is earning more than two and a half grand a month, um, Norwich will top it up so no one actually has to take a pay cut. Um, that is more than, than some clubs are doing. Um, so that is, that's a commitment there. Um, I must admit, I don't even think I'd heard the word furlough um, until about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So we're all on a kind of learning journey with it all, I suppose. Um, and it comes with it comes with great moral debate because ultimately football clubs receive a hell of a lot of money. And some people are not particularly comfortable with the fact that, A, the players are still being paid 100% of what they earn because they're contracts um it's, it's it's really complicated and i'll be honest i'm not an expert but the, the, if you're a playing member then your contract is 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 treated very differently you're you're like a primary a, a primary creditor for the business i think that's my way of putting it um so it's ring fenced and whatever the players decide to do if they decide to take pay cuts to help other people out whichever then they've, they've it gets very complicated because these are huge earners and um, the, the, the tax man and woman like to get involved in that. And it, it, it gets far beyond my pay grade in terms of what that actually means. So, um, you know, there's obviously one suggestion that players should should uh, should be the ones to actually make sure that the uh, other staff are still paid as opposed to the government doing it, which is what's essentially happened. Um, so that's one debate, and again, the Premier League have met this afternoon, and and they've, I think there's a commitment there to to work out what to do going forwards, but no concrete action. And when you have uh, politicians saying that Premier League players have got to take some of this burden themselves as well, then it becomes a it becomes a political issue. Um, so, and I I don't think there's any going to be a quick resolution to it either. I think this is going to rumble on, and um, there probably will be PR issues involved in all that as well um, so it will be interesting who decides um, and, and who decides it and what they actually decide to do yeah it's a massively complicated situation is it because it's almost like where do you stop the line you've got some premier league players on maybe half a million a week at the very top end and then you'll have some players at norwich who you know are on handsome amounts of money but nowhere near that kind and maybe they've just bought houses they've got mortgages to pay they've still got food to put on the table it's like where do you draw that line of having to give up your pay. On the other hand, Norwich have announced that they've given £200,000 um, that's been donated from player salaries and um, board members' salaries, etc., to community charities and, and, and such. Just talk us through that as well. Yeah, so uh, again, this, they've been, uh, this has been ongoing for two or three weeks since the lockdown, really, in terms of what are Norwich City going to do to... Um, to engage in the community and, and to help out because they're they're in a, a privileged position, especially in terms of Norwich City in Norfolk. So um, I think they've been trying to work out what the best thing to do. What they came up with is, is as you say, it's a donation. It, it's created a pot of more than £200,000 that the club uh, are going to make available to buy football, uh, football, <laughs> football on the mind, uh, to buy food, uh, toiletry essentials and then um, initially and then help distribute that to um, people in need across Norwich and Norfolk. They're going to give access to local communities and charities to work with getting that where it needs to go and what whatever what, you know what needs to happen where um, and they're going to get the Community Sports Foundation minibus out as well so that's good. Um, so I think um, 
again, I think that that sort of it's all very interconnected, isn't it? If if players take massive pay cuts, who who benefits from that? Are some chairmen desperate to just um, you know fellow staff to save a load of money rather than doing it because they're businessmen rather than dealing with an actual situation that involves the whole of the community? Um, people will look at huge amounts of money, like a hundred million pounds, and go, "Well, you've got a hundred million pounds, so surely you can you know save ten grand and keep these guys in a job." Which is which is one point. The problem is if you get, give most people a hundred million quid, they probably spent it. And when it's football clubs, you know they've spent more than that, and probably what they're going to get next year. So they're just, you know, it's it's such a difficult balancing act. And whether the rights or wrongs of that is it's just for a different debate. It's we're dealing in the present and what the current situation is now. So, um, I mean, it's brilliant that Norwich have done that. I, I saw something pop up that said United. Man United's players are the first to donate any of their salary. I don't, I don't think that's true. They've done that this afternoon. It's 30% and that's hefty. Um, but I think there are lots of things have come through from different clubs about what they're trying to do. And I think everyone wants to be seen to be doing the right thing. I think it was a great move from Norwich to do that yesterday. Uh, I think they have a, a community responsibility to do something like that. Um, so, so good on them. Good that um, the, the board members as well got involved in that. And um, and hopefully that will have a a real tangible effect on 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 the on the on the area because we're we're in unknown uncharted territory for us as a generation and we've never seen anything like this and we we genuinely don't know what it'll look like on the other side and I think we just need to try and look after each other as best we can and and, um, and yeah hope we we come out okay on the other side. Definitely, I think I guess there's two things here. Is one giving money to charity and helping people, for me, can only ever be seen as a positive. I always get baffled when people kind of take it the other way and go, oh, it's only 50% of their wages, et cetera, et cetera. And two, people keeping jobs is hugely, hugely important. And the furlough scheme has helped me keep a job. Granted, I don't work for Norwich City, but I work for a big company and without it, I may have lost a job. Um, so to keep people employed in Norfolk at Norwich City is hugely important. Um, yeah. Go yeah, on. I was just, just going to add because again, we've we've been doing these uh, coronavirus diaries with uh, a player and a manager, and so I've been speaking to Paul Warren about that, and that that will be that will be up on the site in the, in the next day or so. But again, he said it's it's I don't mind having a conversation with someone necessarily saying they're going to be furloughed, but if the alternative is me telling them they're going to be made redundant, and again, if you look at it with with football clubs for the criticism they're having, I, I guarantee you, if if the furlough scheme wasn't there and they were desperate. They would just cut the jobs. They wouldn't say, I'll tell you what, we're going to sell that player so we can keep all this staff on. It's just not going to happen. So, again, in terms of comparison, that, you know, it's, I'm not, I don't don't want to come on and and defend. I feel like I've done a lot of defending and all I'm trying to do is kind of inform and and give the context. And this is similar, really. Whether it's right or wrong is, is not the question. But in that situation, I think that is what football clubs would do if they didn't have this option. I guess Norwich are in a situation now, being in the Premier League, that we are in a slight bubble. I was listening to George Alec and Ali Maxwell on one of the Athletic podcasts the other week, and they were basically saying that for EFL clubs, there is a very real situation that five to ten clubs will just not be here this time next year. Thankfully, that probably won't be the case for Norwich City, but we have to kind of look further afield and hopefully these kind of... um, things that are helping them clubs somewhat. Um, let's talk about the rest of this season then. What happens? I've read so much over the past week because I haven't really had much else to do, I must admit. And there's been some absolutely outrageous suggestions of how we finish seasons from playing it in China to a, a World Cup-esque kind of 
um, situation where we're playing in, you know, multiple games a day. I guess from my point of view, I honestly can't see how a season can be finished. You've got player contract issues. You've got massive legal battles with TV revenue, all of this stuff. From what you've seen, from what you've read, from the people you've talked to, where do you see things at the moment? Um, there's a, I, I think there's a lot of people who haven't got any idea, <laughs> to be brutally honest. I think there's a lot of people who keep just sort of sitting there like this. Um, I think it was interesting what we saw across Europe uh, yesterday in Belgium. Um, and I, I guess I, I like the idea personally of a, of, a, of, a, of a similar approach across the entirety of English football. But in terms of it being practical, I, I don't see how it, how it is. And, and ultimately, everything football has in terms of its influence and its power and its finances come from the TV and the broadcast deals. And at some point, that and it probably in a way that's probably why this is all still being all still up in the air because ultimately they they've paid a lot of money for something and they're in danger of of missing out on what um, a quarter of it basically so um, I think uh, that it's how that how that plans out is 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 really difficult because I think there's a really simple answer um, but it's but it it doesn't work really for for what football is and how it and what it's evolved into um i get the impression that if if the season doesn't complete then relegating becomes very difficult because you're depriving clubs of something they've got and um and by all accounts that that's not that's that's more of a legal issue than not giving them something that they could possibly have so if you want to be weird, black and white, I, th I do think if the season doesn't complete, then I think Norwich will probably be in the Premier League next season. I don't think there'd be any relegation in any of the divisions without there being a lot of legal action. So I, I think that's probably how that resolves. Um, but again, I don't know if the TV companies let us resolve things like that. I, 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 it was probably two, two or three weeks ago. I, I thought, you know, just ram it all out in a. In a in a tournament, and away we go would be quite handy. But that, that's probably the, you know, that's probably the fan in me who just thinks, well, that would be that be the spectacle. We can make a proper show of it and all this sort of stuff. But you know, when you start really thinking about what that would mean and and the 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 workload then on players who either mean do they have a preseason? I spoke to Chris Domagala probably this time last week. It might have been or something like that. I don't know what day it is to be honest. Um, and you know, the, the longer the break goes on, then the the more the longer it'll take to come back uh, but also even with a long break in pre-season you're still kind of giving people programs so that they're working up to a situation where they'll be fit you, you can't really do that if you literally have no idea when you're going to come back so it's it's really difficult in that regard so you, you'd be putting you know say playing a game every three days is is fine in principle in the middle of a season but when you're not sure how people how long people have been out for it's um it, it becomes a very different different matter playing I mean can you really quarantine a load of footballers in the Midlands somewhere and play at a few select grounds I mean can you play behind closed doors and not expect your club's fans to turn up outside yeah. I mean, that that's what's going to happen so um I, I literally I have no idea and I know people are having these conversations who have got the power to make the final decisions and I guess the, the decisions. yeah I guess Norwich are in a kind of a there's nothing to lose situation in a sense that we're probably relegated. 
So the instant kind of thought in my head when I was hearing all this was surely a null and void situation is positive for Norwich because we remain in the Premier League. But then you start to look at the finances, the amount of money you'd lose in TV revenue, etc, etc. What would be, and I know there probably isn't an ideal, but what would be the ideal situation for Norwich City out of all of this? Um, well, I think ultimately someone, everyone is going to have to compromise. I mean, that, that's why no one is going to get what they thought they were going to get. So I, 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 imag I imagine it might become very difficult to complete the season. I imagine it might become easier to try and start the next season at the same time and maybe work around that. And I imagine maybe there's a way of working around the TV contracts. I, I have no idea if that's true. I'm just giving you my, my opinion. I, I think obviously that would work out. Uh, that would work out okay for the clubs if the financial settlement is kind of, um, it isn't too, um, uh, what's the word? It doesn't cause them too much grief basically. And, and in fairness to Norwich, you know, they, the longer there isn't football, the, the 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 bigger the hole it leaves them. Yeah. But Norwich are well run; they are their cloth is cut accordingly, and they are in a better situation than clubs like Bournemouth and and, and Aston Villa, I would imagine, who, you know, have probably spent next year's TV money and 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 possibly beyond that. So I, I think um, I, th I think that's okay. But uh, again, I mean. It, this is all kind of interconnected because we talk about furloughing and we talk about how clubs deal with this whole situation. I mean, I don't see how we just return to a situation after this if, if clubs have done what they've done, where they, they start shutting out, you know, even modest transfer fees on players. Because how is how is that right? How does that factor into everything? So, again, in terms of that, there will be compromises. There'll be compromises on a sporting basis, on a business basis, and there have to be compromises in what football looks like on the other side of it when clubs have made the decisions they've done, they've, they've made, and also the players will have to come up with uh, what they're going to do. Because as I said at the moment, it's a commitment, but no, no one's really actually gone through with what the commitment is in terms of them helping out staff and, and local causes. For sure, and until I assume we, we have timescales of when we can start to go back into the public, it's really tough to plan. Um, and will teams be willing to compromise, I don't know. It's a massively complicated situation. Um, let's get on to some Twitter questions, Michael. I tweeted oh. out and asked some people to get um, their questions in. The first is from Timu. Now, I'm assuming it's not Timu Puki, although if it is, hello, Timu. Um, he says, any details on the rumoured signing of Daniel Sinani? His gold contribution to game ratio seems absolutely incredible. Now, Michael, I actually don't know who Daniel Sinani is. I've seen his name pop up a few times. So for me as well, who is he and what's this rumoured signing all about? Yes, yeah, so Daniel Sinani was first linked with Norwich in uh, in the January transfer window. I've completely he, he, yeah, he, uh, that's fine, don't worry. A lot's happened since then, by the way. Um, he plays his football in the domestic uh, league in Luxembourg. Um, and now, I haven't really delved into all my research and I can't remember the name of the uh, club at the moment. And if I did, I would probably not be able to pronounce it. Um, but he's playing there. Um, more to the point, he played in um, he played in the Europa League uh, and caught the eye. And I think in terms of Norwich's interest and, and what the, the ana, ana, analysts and, and recruitment team have, have dug out, they've, they've spotted something in those games probably okay. that 
has made them feel that he's got um, a bit of talent and something to offer. Um, it's probably, and it is far harder to judge that when you're looking at um, when you're looking at um, what you're doing in the domestic league in Luxembourg because the level just isn't really there to to compare it. It's it's so hard. Uh, Dudelange F91 Dudelange. Yeah, have we ever signed someone from the domestic leagues of Luxembourg? No, and I I, I would I, I doubt any any player from Luxembourg has played for Norwich. I, uh, historically, I would find that hard. I, I, in, in fact, it would be interesting. The highest uh, perf- performing Luxembourg. Uh, Luxembourgian, I don't know the word, um, in terms of playing in, in the English leagues, what level they've reached, I don't know. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure our good friend NCFC numbers will pick out some yeah, academy player from 72 or something. To... <laughs> You'd hope so. Um, so, uh, yeah, young man, um, he's impressed in um, some of in his uh, Europa League performances last year. Uh, he has done well domestically and clearly a lot of people think a lot of him. Um, he is out of contract in... The, uh, in the summer and because of his age there would be no compensation um, so well, he was being linked in January but um, as far as I know and I have to be honest I've known this for a while and I kind of assumed it was common knowledge so when the stuff popped up in from Luxembourg yesterday about him oh yeah he's he's got a contract I was like well yeah I just assumed it had been out so yes he's, he's signed a pre-contract he'll be at Norwich next season as far as I'm concerned um and I think I think that started to come out at his end um probably because of what's been going on with the coronavirus um so that as far as I'm aware there's a contract there he'll be at Norwich next season he's a young man but I think the thing with Norwich is they can't get him in the building to get him training with the first team here until he's a Norwich player so I think they're going to need to have a look at him, see how he does. Uh, I think they appreciate it's a bit of a gamble because it's such a small sample size in certain terms of how he's really impressed against better opposition. Um, he might he might just take to it and you, you're like, yeah, you're a player. Or he might be like, yeah, OK, well, you're a bit raw. Let's send you out for a bit and, and see how you get on <clears throat> at, a, at a higher level than what you were playing at, which probably isn't isn't difficult to be honest given the Luxembourg domestic league so um but he's a, a young attacking midfielder he can I think he's got similarities to Temu Puki actually in terms of um, the positions he plays and um positions he gets in and I think he can play off the last man and he, if you look at some of his past goals he, he does score goals that that Temu was scoring last year so um I think there's I, mean, I have to say, it's not often I see clips of a player, but he was one of them, and I sort of, oh, I'm getting a bit excited about this. I look, look excited, but but I am I'm hugely tempered by the level he's been playing at. I think I think everyone has to make sure that he gets a bit of time, and then if he he shows us something exceptional, we can all be really really excited about it. So. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the tweet I should have put out about three weeks ago is, yeah, I, I think he'll be an Norwich player next year. I, I'm pretty, I'm like 99.6% um, sure of that. So yeah. So Very exciting. That sounds good. Okay. Chris Mower um, asks, would a Sunderland Till I Die style documentary at Norwich make interesting viewer or would it be a bit duller? Now I haven't seen the second series of the Sunderland no. uh, Till I Die documentary. I saw the first um Season, I think Netflix had hoped that it was kind of from from the bottom right to the top kind of style. Instead, they'd just stayed there where they were at the start. Um, it would, surely, it would be very interesting doing if they if they did a similar style at Norwich, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be really interesting because you 
it's always um even with the club videos that they they put out um they clearly get access that not many other people get so you just sometimes see the old conversation or the odd interaction and especially when someone like me reasonably close to the club you, you still see bits you haven't seen you're like oh, okay that's interesting and yeah. maybe got a bit more context so um that sort of stuff would be really good uh, I, it is difficult with those though isn't it because let's be honest the, the Sunderland first season was was kind of, was compelling viewing because it was a car crash um the Manchester City documentary I mean that that was that was really interesting, but incredibly polished. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got to bear in mind what the narratives are and what people want you to think. Even in the Sunderland documentary, they, they will know who they're going to paint as, as the villain. And it sometimes, I think, can be difficult to get a bit of character shade yeah. in there. Um, so, And again, I haven't seen the second season, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, yeah. And the Tottenham documentary, I mean, you think about what's happened to that club since they started filming, that's going to be fascinating as well. So I, I, I don't know, there, there isn't much that, oh, someone joining me, there's my wife, We're live on Skype, there's my wife. No, she's not going to say hello, uh, but she does exist now, you all know. Um, and it could have been my two-year-old, so we should be grateful. Um, uh, or should I share these? I've got some apple. I've just been thought of snap. This is one of the benefits of home working. I'm working for my wife more than me because I've been here for six months. Uh, I can't even remember what I was saying. But yeah, I, I think um, with a documentary, um, it doesn't strike me many well-run clubs have a documentary done about them. But maybe that's a football thing. And that's quite hard on Spurs because Spurs were uh, were pretty well-run until <laughs> until they started a documentary, maybe. <laughs> so. I'd much rather watch um, an Ipswich town documentary from this season rather than any Norwich documentary. That would be compelling. Right, the final question comes in from Marcus. Let's take away all knowledge, all legalities, everything. But he simply asks, would you rather the season doesn't continue and we stay up or it does continue, we go down but win the FA Cup? <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, I, I must admit, I completely forgot the FA Cup was still a thing. By the way, like we I mean, were that, progressive. That is, oh, that is that is basically just the question: of Would you rather get relegated or win the FA Cup? Isn't it? It's just add with yeah. an added tier. With I hate that. I hate with a coronavirus fan. Yeah, I hate. Uh, I hate that question. I hate that question before all this. Um, I mean, I I do wish the season would be finished because that 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 is kind of what should happen. Um, I. I mean, I don't. We, I, the, the, I suppose the fan in me is like, yeah, winning the FA Cup. You know, Norwich are, are pretty wretched in the FA Cup, really. To only have been in the semi-finals twice and never been to an FA Cup final, it, it would be epic to win the FA Cup. But I mean, that is so phenomenally hard. And in terms of the long, long-term footings of the football club, to stay up would be infinitely more beneficial to them. <laughs> so um, I'd probably rather end up in the Premier League next year and that's from that's that's not because I get to eat food at Premier League grounds by the way that's that's because of the 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 foot I trust the I, I think fans can trust what uh, the people in charge of the club have, have done in terms of the financial footings and I think it would be would be really interesting to see if they could do that with with more money I actually think they've probably got one or two bits to prove off the back of last summer actually as well so um I'd like to see I'd like to see that maybe rather than lifting the FA Cup. Probably because I wouldn't trust them not to just get to the final and lose. Yeah, that would be incredibly painful, wouldn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Um, Michael, thank you. I've kept you a bit longer than I, than I said. Go and enjoy your, your apple crisps and whatever you've got. 
going on for the rest of the day. Um, for everyone that doesn't know about The Athletic and where have you been, head over there, links in the description, you can get 50% off if you're already signed up. Head over there and um, check out all of the latest writing about the coronavirus in Norwich City. It's compelling, to say the least. Uh, Michael, thank you, and I'll see you very soon. Bye-bye.